The Athletic. And that cheer is not for us, or for Watford, I don't think. Uh, welcome to it, it is for us, but it's from Leeds, thanking us very much for a uh, wonderful afternoon in the Hertfordshire sunshine, ensuring they're staying in the Premier League. So uh, you're welcome, lads, you're welcome. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to From the Rookwind. Uh, podcast all about a life following Watford FC. We'll talk about this afternoon following Watford FC. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Uh, good afternoon. Jason. Uh, why do we do it? <laughs> and... Do I dare? DCW. Hello. I <laughs> oh, right, so put the whole afternoon sat next to DCW. And basically anything that came out of his mouth, the exact opposite happened. It was a game which Watford lost. Um, 3-0 is a very clear... Decisive. Yeah, very decisive. Victory for Leeds. There was, there was many moments in it. I remember particularly turning to DCW about, about 50 minutes in. And I said, we're not out of this, but yeah. we're not in it either. No, and it's... I regret to say it's been the same all season here at Vicarage Roads. And I think it was the Newcastle game, wasn't it? I'll keep going back to it. I think it was September. And I came out and I said, we've seen two of the teams that are going to get relegated this, this season. Now, Newcastle, obviously... Think, ah, and you were wrong. <laughs> think, things changed, changed for them. Uh, and they're, they're going to be, you know, that, their, their story is going to be very, very different to ours. But the, the story of our season, certainly here at Vicarage Road, has been the same almost without exception, throughout the season. And that is that, by some margin, Watford aren't able to compete at this level. And you're, and you're right in your summary of saying, we're not out of it, we're not in it. It's a great way of describing it. And it's a, it's a more articulate way of the way I've described it, which is sort of like a, almost like a cup tie with a League One or Championship side against the Premier League side, able to sort of not embarrass themselves, but similarly not able to land any, any sort of telling blows or be competitive any in any sort of meaningful way, and it's it's been like that all season really, with a few few exceptions. And I'm quite sanguine because I don't really think there needs to be a massive post mortem about it. It's the ninth home defeat in a row, which tells its own story. That sets its own record. 71-72 was the last time we won lost nine in a row. We won the tenth game at home, <laughs> so we're either going to get a win next, or we're going to see history, <laughs> or knowing Watford, they'll just draw to make it really sort of non eventy. It just can't come as a surprise to anyone what, what, we've, what we've just seen. A lead side who aren't actually particularly any good. A couple of decent players, but Watford have contrived um, to, to allow them to walk away, dance off into the sunset with, with a de- decisive and comfortable victory. DCW, like I say, there was... I, don't, I, I, hate these, I hate these when we play these sorts of games where we lose, especially now we're, you know on the very much the, the relegation side of things. But you always try and find positives, you always try and look at the good things out of it. Can you, are you looking at anything sort of I'm not saying to not asking to be ridiculous about things and, and you know be a cheerleader for it, but was there anything in that game for you? No, there wasn't a single positive from anything I saw today at all. It was a complete disgrace. The uh, you know, Mike Mike said we shouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised that we've lost three 0 But I did expect better than that, based on the two previous league performances, a creditable performance away to one of the best two teams in the league at Liverpool, a victory away at Southampton, who 
think have been absolutely humped, haven't they, at Chelsea today? So they're obviously, you know, their season's over. So maybe that, maybe that, maybe we shouldn't have read too much into that win at the time. I don't know, but I did expect better. I expected, I expected us to just have more about us and be more solid than we were. And it's not even, it's not really like we kind of defended badly as a team. Again, it was, it was individual mistakes yeah. for, for all of the goals. Again, silly mistakes from individual players. Two mistakes from Samir and there are other players involved in the first goal as well, but two, you know, very bad mistake by Samir for the second goal and that's game over. And bo- both goals came after spells of pressure by us, much more so for the second goal. But we were in the game in the first half. We looked like we were, we were getting a little bit of momentum. We were getting a bit of territory without really creating much. And that goal sucked the life out of us in the first half and it was pedestrian till the end of the first half. And then the, for the first half an hour, or whatever it was for the second half, we were all over them. That massive chance for Saar where he's just slashed at the ball. He just needed to side foot that ball home. He had space, he had time. It's one all. It's a different game, but he he fluffed it. But we still we were still coming. We were still coming. Dennis made a difference off the bench. He was he was we was probing again. We weren't creating that many chances apart from that one from Saab. But we had the ball. Leeds couldn't get out of their half. They were defending desperately. And I was looking at the tweets from the Athletics Leeds correspondent Phil Hay today, and he, you know, it's it's often interesting to look at what the other side is saying, and he. He wasn't very complimentary about that Leeds performance. He, he described it at the end as a match desperately short of quality. And it was true, we presented Leeds with three goals today. We presented them. And it's not what you expect from, from a Roy Hodgson team. We should be more resolute than that. We're just giving away stupid goals. I expected better. I'm not surprised, as Mike said. It is in keeping with what's happened this season. You know, and we can all resign ourselves to relegation. But I, I am, I am, I'm just bitterly disappointed because I just, I wanted more. I just wanted more from us today, and we've just, we've fluffed it again. Because I wanted more, particularly, like I said, that momentum of the beginning of the second half. It felt like it was really frustrating to watch, ridiculously frustrating at the silly mistakes. They were not quite finishing. They're not quite the right decision to to put the ball through to actually capitalise on it. As you said, ECW, the opportunity that Saar had to at least get it on target. I've never seen him miss a chance like that, that badly. He had a terrible game. But Jason, what for you, you know, the, 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 the setup that how Leeds are playing, were we even trying to capitalise on, on what, they, what they are like as a team? I just think, again, it comes down to sort of the decision-making of the players. Leeds play very narrow by all accounts. My brother-in-law's a Leeds fan. And he's saying they, they seem to set up very narrow. They sort of play this sort of 4 2 2 2, he says. I mean, they've gone 1 0 up away from home, so of course they're going to play narrow. And in the second half, when we're bossing it, as DCW said, they couldn't get out of their half. The ball kept coming back. It sort of kept hitting our defenders. We were bringing it back up again. But then our decision making, when we're in that final third, the number of times when we've got a player wide and we've got space that we think we can exploit, we're then turning back into trouble. We're playing balls back into the middle where they're crowding us out, which they did a very good job of. Leeds, Leeds, I think I said to you at one point, Leeds are playing like Hodgson would want us to play and like he has wanted us to play and that we have played away from home when we're winning. They were, they were crowding us out, they were working hard, they were concentrating. As soon as a player got the ball in space, they were crowding around us. But the fact that we're making it easy for them by playing the ball into areas that were yeah. already really congested, it's ridiculous. We can see it up in the stands. They're professional footballers out on the pitch. It should be second nature to them. 20,000 people can see it, they can't, it's disappointing. And, and, and I think that, that's right, and that's the, the start of the, the game. The, the Kiko and Saar link-up is something that every time we play at home, I'm like, right, 
So I'm sitting in the Sir Elton John stand at, at, at the moment, and down that right-hand side, kicking towards the, the Vicarage Road and in the Anne Swanson family stand, Kiko and Saar link up early, and the visiting left-back, almost without fail, looks like he doesn't know what day it is. So that happened to Dallas today. Kiko went past him, Saar went past him, and it was like, right, we need to get at him. He came steaming into a tackle because he didn't know whether to, to stick or twist. He didn't know which way was, was up. Understandably so, because you've got an attacking uh, right back and, and, a, and a flying winger who, who can leave any, any defender for dust. So I t- texted us all and said, right, we need to get at Dallas here. And, and, and what do they do? Nothing. Nothing for, the, for the, almost the entirety of the game. And it's just about exploiting... Not even thinking about how, how Leeds play or how the opposition play. How are you going to make the most of what we've got? And we summarily failed to do it. I said I was sanguine about this. And, and that's probably, that's, that's not fair actually. Because when Dave was talking there, his face was crumpled in a, in a mixture of, of disappointment and, and anguish really. I don't want to embarrass Dave or anything, but it's, it's painful. It is actually painful to watch your side go through this. It is painful to watch your side getting relegated in slow motion when, yes, we're not good enough, but having spoken about it for 10 minutes, there are things that we could do and should be doing a lot better than we are. With the players we've got, I think we haven't got a a, a team that's competitive in this division, but we have probably got a team or a squad that should, should be able to do better than that. And I think it's just the relentless lack of exploiting what they've got at their, whether it's attack, whether it's uh, whether it's defensive mistakes, it's it's always the wrong decision, without without fail, and and it's whilst it's not surprising, it is it's painful, and as a supporter, it's upsetting and it's disappointing and it's and it's in, intensely frustrating. Just because we've seen it happen time and time again, it makes it sort of in one hand easier to cope with, but also. Ugh, come on you use the word team there I think that's probably part of the problem because yeah, d- yeah. did we yeah. really look like a team no. today particularly going forward there were moments when we did pass the ball quite nicely and we at times the ball didn't bounce for us but we'd sort of perhaps not get it right win the ball back make a few passes you think well that looks alright but then uh, the front three today we've talked before about we've got this exciting young attacking talent but they weren't a team today for me no. so I just he just kept running into trouble all the time. He, I don't know if he's lack of confidence or what, but it looked like he didn't really know what he wanted to do with it when he got the ball. He was, in, it felt to me he was inviting the challenge yeah. so he could get rid oh. of the ball. So exactly, there was one second half where he went down, yeah. thinking he was injured, where they'd, they'd, they'd won the ball. And, and he, yeah, you're absolutely right. He'd invited the tackle on, and Pedro and Dennis just looked like they didn't want to pass to each other when Dennis was on. I, he's just. Yeah, you can you can tell the disappointment, yeah. can't you? No, no, like you say, I think there's that. It's the cohesion, not just I don't think it is the cohesion with the the attack to make something happen and good decision making. But DW for me, it's the it's the midfield as well. They're not they're not on they're not in sync. They're not balanced. They're not quite there. You see a good performance from Loser. You see some great you know strides forwards from from Musa and and Kuchka has his battling moments it was good today we could have done with more of him he gets a lot of criticism but we could have done with more of his blood and thunder and getting around the pitch and getting stuck in a bit more of that and we might be having different conversations he's by far and away not the not the answer to a Premier League football team solution not the answer to a, a conundrum that we, we've got 
but today at least he would at least he made himself known for for 70 minutes and we there's just precious little of that i thought he had a good game so Lisa, would you agree with that yeah i i, I had a bit of a go at Kushka on Twitter the other day and he, he's, he has he has a player that's why I'm asking he's the question yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I check if he follows me he has frustrated me this season to be honest but I don't I don't really begrudge him you know I think he, he is what he is he, he's plenty of effort he's blood and thunder as Mike said he has his moments he's a player you know I think he, he, the problem with him is that He's a player that probably does need to be taken off at 60, 70 minutes, like he was today. I think Loser was pretty good today. I think he's improved gradually throughout the season. I think Musa, again, his typical performance from him, plenty of effort, doing his best. I think it was kind of summed up, the whole sort of situation was summed up towards the end when, again, it was sort of Musa kind of bundling his way through a few bodies at the end and nearly got on the end of a, of a chance, nearly poked it home like he did against Arsenal. And it's kind of that's the only way we can do stuff if just sort of people just somehow manage to create something out of nothing this season we've somehow managed to get all our moments from situations like that there is no cohesion there is no grand sort of style there's no you know I I, I was just sitting there looking around today it was at half time actually and I just turned around we were sitting about halfway up the rookery and I, I turned around just to look at the crowd and look at the faces in the crowd and just looking at all the people just sort of taking it in and Everyone was miserable, and not not angry. No, no. no, no one was really angry. No one was really talking to each other and saying, "Oh, yeah, this is a disgrace." Blah blah blah. It was just flat. Everyone probably sit thinking about you know what who they're going to bet on for the Grand National or something. You know, everyone's got better things to do with their time. It's been so long, obviously because we missed that season in the Championship. And again, I walked past the, the image of bouncing back. It says the image in the, in the rookery in the concourse where the picture of us getting that promotion against Millwall. It just feels like years ago. It feels like so long since we've been at this stadium consistently and been able to enjoy it. We haven't been able to enjoy it, for, with the exception of those two wins. You know, the one against Villa, the one against Manchester United, which were both sort of strange, fluky, weird games. It's been there's been nothing to real really get your teeth into, pin your hopes on. I was sort of thinking back to that period over Christmas in 2019 where we beat Villa, we beat United, we beat Wolves. And it felt like we had something. And then we had the Liverpool game not long after that. It felt like we were moving in the right direction and we were together. That ground doesn't feel together. And I don't blame the supporters for being flat because we were trying to sing. We were trying to get the crowd up near us. But no one really wants to because no one really believes in anything they're seeing because the shower of you know what, on the pitch, it's so pitiful. And it has been that way for so long. And it's just the life has been sucked out of the place. And I don't know what we do. You know, we're going to be in the Championship probably next season, barring the miracle of miracles. It just, it just feels, it's just sad. It feels sad. For a very sad man, he still used the word probably when it came to relegation. <laughs> yeah. It was still there, DCW. Absolutely deranged. <laughs> uh, it's just, he needs his head read, the poor old boy. He doesn't know, he doesn't know if he's coming or going. I thought credit to the crowd, actually, for the first 20, 25 minutes. It was, it was noisy and uh, the eighteen eighty one got everyone going in the rookery and it was, it was bouncing a little bit. And, and credit to them for, for at least trying to make it a, a big match atmosphere. And for, for a little bit, they, they did. But as, as Dave said, I think it feels like, really, people are coming out of duty. At the moment, you've got a season ticket. What else do you do on a Saturday? You go, you go. Oh, come to the and game. see you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Have a chat after the game. I love it. Well, I'm glad you love it. Uh, but it yeah, helped, it helped. just just deeply disappointing. And I have to mention, I'm afraid Ismail Assar was a huge, huge concern for me today. And I think as we look to the championship and as we look to 
the, the challenges that, that come with that. One of those is money, one of them is finances, and he is a big, he's a major asset in terms of our balance sheet. And he just looked completely out of sorts today, disinterested. I know it's difficult playing in a, in a side like that, which, which by definition is poor. He, in fact, it was, it was as he walked on the pitch, he was at least five yards further back yeah. and he was walking incredibly slowly onto that pitch, like going, do I have to get on this pitch? I'd like to ask Jace, actually, because I think as a, he's, got more, he's, he's better, really, at reading the game than, than I am, as everyone has listened to this podcast <laughs> for the last ten years will know. But it, for me, he looks he looks like a problem for me. He looks disinterested. I know his demeanour is, is such that he's not a, a sort of effervescent, effusive, bubbly guy. That's just not him. But his whole body language, the way he, he was slow, he was um, sluggish, disinterested. And that could just be me being grumpy. So I'm really keen to no, just I, to get your take on it. I agree, mate. I agree completely. I think he, he wasn't on his toes at all today, was he? And... It, and you could see the difference almost in the first 10 minutes. I think Leeds, on their first attack, they've played a long ball, long diagonal up to uh, Rafinha, who's taking it, great touch, and he's attacking the fullback. He's attacking Kamara. Yeah. Their first play of the game. He's looked to get beyond us. I think any of that was Sar no. today, did we? I think there was one where he was already in an offside position, and then he fluffed that chance anyway. And I think, like I said earlier, perhaps it's a, a, perhaps he's lacking confidence, but... There's been talk, we've seen it on socials this week, there's been talk of his agent making noises, well, that he's ready to go, that luck. it's all been lined up. I think, yeah, I mean, and, and it feels, it does feel, I, I flippantly said at the start, you know, why do we do this? And there's almost a feel of that about this. Why, what is the point, if he's already gone in his head, if he's out of here in the summer, it just feels like, what is the point if he's going to turn in a performance like that every week? Well, the point he actually needs to know himself is that a relegated player doesn't get a move to Manchester United. He needs to sort of know that you need to play yourself for this big move if that's what you so desire because a terrible end of the season is not going to get you nor Watford the money we want and the move that you want. That's my worry for him is that yeah, he's, he needs to... We need him to take those moments that he had and they might make the difference in games of football for us. Who's but he, he, he needs to grab hold of his football career. Who's signing him? He's, yeah. he's not been... He's no not been. at this point. Oh, he's, you, you, at best, Newcastle have got, well, we got, we got a bit of money. Newcastle have got their eyes on better things than that. They'll, they'll be yeah. looking to qualify for the Champions League. Maybe not this year, but in the future. They, they're not going to be interested in players that, that sulk around, mooch around, that are part of a, a disparate bunch of chances, basically, who aren't able to... You know, he, he's been unable to do anything against a team that's struggled for most of the season again and if he's looking to I, I did a piece for the, uh, before the Liverpool game for a, for a Liverpool um, website and they said oh how do you think Ismail Assar would do at Liverpool forget it he's not don't, you don't want don't, it he, don't, don't blow the surprise mate let him yeah. take it let them <laughs> let them give us loads of money and, and he can have them and, and perhaps we're being a bit flippant and a bit churlish because there is a good player in there yeah, you don't just lose it completely it. and to sort of spitting our dummies out a bit just because he's had a bad game in a, in a bad team but I mean he hasn't been our best player this season has he certainly yeah. not quite a few players you could probably say make a case of being a better player than him 
not, played, um, he's not, he's not played that many games though. Really, if you look across the season, he's had his troubles, true. troubles with injury. Yeah. I, I don't. I understand the points you're both making, um, and we shouldn't really waste too much time thinking about post Watford Saar really. It's none of mm. our concern apart from the money we get. But whoever signs him won't be making their judgment based on a handful of games at the end of this season. They'll be basing that on his on his whole career, on his stats, on his physical stats, on his te- you know on his, his stats that he's got across his career and everything. They'll, they'll be making a balanced judgment based on what they think he is as a player. They'll get personal recommendations from players that people that have worked all that stuff recruitment is very complex it's not just based on turning up and seeing that rubbish and but seeing- it is about a little bit about him and what he's talked about the differences in the team he goes to I think that that's it's quite a major thing it's not it, it, it would it would take his what you've seen this year I know you're absolutely right you, like the player within Jason were being churlish about it but he could very quickly drop down in terms of the potentials and where he could go if he isn't a consistent player across several seasons and he, he, if you want the big move you have to shine in a team like Watford I know I know exactly what you're saying but he's not shown up this year really he's had his moments I, I, I do defend him I know he's played poor today but I think he's a very very good player I think he'll go on to have a good career maybe he won't maybe he won't be a sort of consistent Champions League player but he's, he's good enough to be playing for a good Premier League team or a good top division side across Europe but from, from here on in the, the, the thing you know the only thing that matters to us is how much money do we get from him can we make a profit can we break even it'll be difficult you know we've looked we know the sort of makeup of that deal from Adam's piece on the Athletic a few weeks ago it's, it's still ongoing we still own money for him, for paying him from a few se- for him for a few from a few seasons ago, so we've got to try and claw back as much as we can, and we've got to try and they'll probably be, you know we we'll have to try and sell other players. Selling the players that we did when we went down last season helped keep the the ship steady and above water, and it'll be the same situation this time if we go down. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. So it's Sunday morning. Uh, we've we've talked about the game, um, and the reason we're doing this on Sunday, not post game, is it was a very emotional course after Watford lost. And we want to talk about the the very emotional and very important thing that's sort of uh, come to light this week of this uh, new brand new Watford supporters committee. It happened about ten days ago now, where a bunch of fans, uh, including myself, were invited to the club to to have a, a Watford FC meeting. Um, and at that at that thing, we found out that actually this was going to be a um, uh, something that wasn't sort of shared um, word for word, uh, but things would be shared. The, the talking points would be shared with fans. Uh, then on Friday, we had a situation where the club they announced this committee, and again, I, when I went to the meeting, I didn't know it was a committee. Uh, they announced this committee, and what its purpose was to say it went down badly with a lot of fans is an understatement, Michael. You have been on the socials and interacting with fans, and it's a very—it's it, a hot it's, topic. Oh, that's yes. for certain. You can't touch it. But it's so. What, what, what's your take on on this reaction? Let's say to to the announcement of this committee. I think it is important for us, and you've alluded to it there, to make it clear that we weren't aware, or you weren't aware, and therefore presumably the others in attendance weren't aware exactly what was going to happen afterwards and in, and and the sort of terms of of reference if you like people going to that meeting were going in good faith hoping to be at the start of something a a communication device a communication technique between supporters and the club 
my initial concern, one of the one of the initial concerns, is that when the meeting was announced via the club on on Friday, they explained the terms of reference, which includes included words like confidentiality, which immediately sets some people's is uh, uh, is ablaze. And also, what they didn't do at that stage was was publish the agenda, if you like, didn't even publish what was what was discussed. So there was a big vacuum there of what anyone other than the people that were in the room know, knew about. So at the, at this moment, only 14, 15, 16 people, who, whoever, the, the, whoever was there, know what was said. And can I say that that's normally the way at a fans forum, even if it's a open forum at, the, at your place, um, at our places that they've done over the last 10 years, there's always an element where, as fans, you want to have the person or the people present who are representing the club to let their guard down slightly, to share something. And it's almost a little bit of a, uh, a known thing that not everything you say in a meeting will be, everything that happens at that meeting will be shared to the wider world. It, it, it's it's it, the events that you love to go to because they really help build your connection with the club, you know, cement your loyalty to the club because you feel part of it, because you've been part of these conversations. But I'm always aware that things get said and that I, as a grown-up, know, well, that's not for public consumption because of either something financial, it's something in terms of how the, the business works, it's something that, uh, you know, I remember Scott Duxbury saying, and him basically saying, we will be signing Gerard Delafayu in the summer. But we all knew that that's not something we're going to go around and have a chat about because, you know, who knows what that would do with the deal that they were making with Barcelona at that point. Um, if Doc, Doc, Scott Duxbury seemed to be, you know, saying, I'm going to happen, it's going to happen, and they might see it as a lot of bravado. But you won't talk about it. You're, you're right to point that out, John, and I think most people would, would, accept and, uh, would accept and understand that. I think the the big issue that has arisen here and uh, the big issue that has helped fan the flames is that there wasn't any semblance of, uh, of meat on the, on the bones prov- provided. There was a, details that a meeting took place, details of, of who was there, and then a, a couple of lines saying that it was going to be confidential. So not, to, not for, for, a, for the majority, for the vast, vast majority of Watford supporters, D- Dave's with us and, and myself included, we don't know what happened. Football supporters by their very nature are, are super inquisitive and rightly so because we said in the last podcast you want to know what's happening so that you can, you can make sure we can be critical friends, so we can make sure that the club is headed in the right direction and that any concerns we have are answered. So I think what would have helped in this situation was at the announcement stage, the meeting's taken place, this is who was there. This is what was discussed. And for reasons of uh, of confidentiality, there won't be too much more detail at, at, at this stage. And that at least gives people a... It fills in some of the some of the blanks. Not all, but at least it shows what the agenda was. As it stands, there's none of that. So people are left to to wonder and fill in the blanks and and people have different takes on different aspects of the club people have different outlooks and all those different outlooks will be used to fill in uh, that individual's gap that in turn results to a swirl of of mistrust of of misunderstanding of trying to find out some people are totally chill with it others are, are the exact opposite and both both are really fine i think in 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 that context so i think we have to be clear and say that there has been a, a mistake, ironically, in the communication element of this of the formation of this committee and its and its first meeting. Clearly, there are a lot of frustrations 
from from all sides of this debate at the moment. You know, I'm someone who's I'm slightly removed from it. You know, I know from the rookery end we're invited, but you know, it's I don't anticipate myself attending any of these events. It's John, it's Mike, it's kind of you guys who are more centrally involved than I am. I can sympathise with some of the people who have been critical of this process, and and I do think if you look at the list of attendees and invited groups, some supporters particularly on on social media which is kind of the easiest way really for us to see fans feelings even though it's not necessarily a true barometer of the entire fan base some supporters have probably got a bit too hung up on the fact that podcasters such as us and other podcasts do not scratch your eyes they were there Uh, you know youtubers w18 all those guys, Hornet's Nest. There's lots of sort of websites, podcasters, YouTubers are there. Some people can look at that and go, oh, just because they've got a website, just because they've got a podcast, just because they film themselves, they've been invited into this sort of select group. Fine. But there's also a lot of people there who have got long-standing ties to the club in terms of being representative. You've got Jewish Hornets, Proud Hornets. You've got regional supporters groups. You've got the women of Watford. You know, so it's important to recognise that the club have made an effort to be inclusive in their scope of who is at this meeting. And they have also said that further representatives from alternative groups or members of the wider fan base are welcomed. And I think that point could be underlined even better than the club has done already. I think they could make a better effort of, of making it clear that they are looking to expand and welcome people into this group going forward. I think one of the issues with it, as you said, Mike, it's just it's just slightly clumsily communicated, because when you use the word committee, that has certain connotations. People are used to committees in other areas of life being sort of elected bodies or or things that you try and apply to go on, and it's it, it has a certain element of power to it. And when you use the word confidential, it's secretive. It sounds like we're going to talk about this stuff behind closed doors in a room that you're not allowed in. We're going to choose who comes into this room. We'll decide what the important things to talk about are, and we might tell you what's 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 been discussed in broad terms a bit further down the line. And it doesn't have an attitude of openness and inclusivity that I think it should do. I think they've dropped the ball in just in, in the in the execution. The idea is solid and sound and very well-meaning. And we all know that there are a lot of people who work at this club on the operational level who are absolute best in class and have won awards for how they go about their work in terms of community engagement and inclusivity and all that stuff that many people at the club do. So I'm not doubting anyone's motives or intentions, but I think on this occasion, it's been slightly badly handled and it comes at a time where there's a bit of a febrile, you know, unsettling atmosphere amongst the fan base because what? Because, we, you know, because we've had a terrible season again and it's it all kind of combines to make a perfect storm. But where I come at it from as well is that this is a good thing and I hope it will continue to improve and I hope that some good will come out of this. But I do think you've replaced a system before with the at your place and at our place where there was at least the pretense and the appearance of being open, of having an open door policy. That at certain points during a season, anyone could come along and ask their question. And yes, some of those questions might have been a bit annoying. Some of them might have been a bit flimsy at times or whatever but I think it's the principle of being open and honest and subjecting yourself to a wide array of views is important because I think in particular for the owner Gino Pozzo and for the chairman and CEO Scott Duxbury for me they are tantamount to being public officials 
Watford and all football clubs are community institutions. Whether they like it or not, they may run it as a private business. They paid their money. You know, they get paid money to run the club. Fine. But they have to realise that they are custodians and that thousands upon thousands of people depend on Watford for many things. It's a central part of people's lives. And in the same way, I just think they have a responsibility to recognise that. If you want to take everything that comes with being a chairman of a football club, you want to get paid, you want the big job, you have to also answer the questions. And if, and if things that you say get taken out of context or get used in a certain way, so be it. You've got to stand up and take it sometimes, but have the courage of your convictions to subject yourself at regular occasions to the scrutiny of the fan base. And, and, and this way they've done it here, even though well-meaning, appears that they're ha- it, it appears that they're handpicking certain people and that there's certain people that they don't want involved. And I think that's what's got a lot of people's backs up. Because, again, you look at actually what the club are trying to do. They're trying to, you know, as they said in the meeting to us, this is a new way for us to engage with fans. It isn't the only way they want to do it. And if you look at organisations like the Football Supporters Association, you look at what the Premier League have to put onto football clubs in terms of how they have to engage. They have to have a supporter liaison officer. So they're doing things, they're trying to do different things to engage with fans. And, you know, the the fact that us as a podcast and all the organisations there are engage in a very different way to what you would do a normal fan normal fans are so 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 personally engaged with it so i've not got a problem with as we've all said you know with the the principle about what they're trying to do it's just not sitting alongside another place which what you're talking about dave another a way for fans to feel they can ask their questions and feel that they are getting answers if it's the answer they want or it's not the answer that they want, but they are getting answers and can react to the personalities that are in front of them. In terms of the initial invitees, by inviting some people, you are by definition not inviting or making uh, it available to other people. So I think people are seeing that as black and white. Some were invited. Uh, it was invite only. Therefore, the vast majority were excluded from, from taking part. That is a fact and is undeniable. But what is also, if you look at it rationally, it's as a starting point, you're getting a cross section, which Dave has, has articulated. And as a starting point, they're no, we're no, I'm no better than anyone, anyone else that supports Watford just because I spout nonsense on a podcast for the last 12 years. Absolutely not. And I would never claim anything different. But as a starting point, you have to start somewhere. So gathering people from identifiable groups is, is perhaps sensible. You might disagree, but there is rationale behind it. So that's, that's that. John, you've you've talked and, and and Dave, you mentioned about the the fans forum and what they're trying to do here. If you again, if you look at it rationally, my take and my understanding is what they're trying to do is make this slightly more formal, to make themselves and again, this might be me not being naive, more accountable. So if you go to one of these meetings with a question, you know there is going to be a follow up meeting, so you can follow up on that question. With a fans forum, and that's not to say they couldn't be done in conjunction, but with a fans forum. A lot of people go just to watch, which is fine. A lot of people go with fairly fluffy questions, which is also fine. But the most important questions, do they actually get followed up on? If, 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 for example, you, Dave, go to a fans forum and ask a very, very pertinent, important question and get an answer to it, where's your, where's your next public accountable follow-up? My take on it is, or what my understanding is what they're trying to achieve is, if you go to one of these committees with a question, you then... 
It's down, it's in writing, and you have the chance to follow up on it. So if you've got a wide, broad section of supporters, hopefully that will grow over time, going, asking pertinent, meaningful, important questions, there is then an opportunity to follow up and hold the people who answered the question originally to account. So that is what I think they're trying to achieve. Whether that is impossible alongside a fans forum, I don't know. Perhaps it, it, it should be. And finally, I think you mentioned it at the start, John, about, about confidentiality. This is one of the, the, the big bugbears. And, and, and Dave, I think you've hit on it, hit the nail on the head by talking about stuff being taken out of context. Because reading between the lines, I think that's entirely what they're in, trying to achieve. I think what the, what the aim here of this sort of sense of perhaps not absolutely everything being shared by the letter is to avoid exactly that, is to avoid stuff being taken out of context, is to avoid quotes being taken, stored, and then used to batter people over the, over the head with. And now I feel quite strongly about what happened last year when there was a, a very, very famous quote from, from Scott Duxbury that was used by every man and his dog to, to batter a number of people at Watford over the head with when things weren't going well in the championship. Um, and you could argue if you don't want your words to be used against them, you don't say it. But I would argue that those words were taken completely out of context and they led to what I thought was pretty disgraceful behaviour from, from a number of, of quarters. People were being called liars, people were be called, being called disgusting, all this sort of stuff from one quote that was, in my view, taken out of context. And I suspect, reading between the lines, that that is something that the club are looking to avoid in the future. I'm not saying that's right, because you need to take accountability, especially as Dave articulates, when you are running something, a community asset like Watford, who likes, who, who we're proud of their, their position in the community, you have to be able to say things and stand them up and, and, and stand by them. But I also remember that it was a bad, bad time and words were used against these people. So I think as supporters and as people with a vested interest, you have to realise that how you act when you are given information has an impact. And this might be an unintended uh, consequence of that. I'm not saying that, that, that it's right, but I'm reading between the lines, it, it strikes me as that they want to avoid quotes getting out into the open which can then be used by broad by anyone that gets them hands on them from fans to podcasts like us to fanzines to opposition managers to opposition clubs to to national press international press and if they're taken out of context which often these chats it, it's easy to do if you write down your conversations with mates or if you write down your conversations at work and give them to someone else, they might take a very, very different meaning to how it went down in that in that room. Do not confuse me with saying that avoiding quotes entirely is is acceptable. But if you look at it in context, there is a, a recent example of of there being a pretty unpleasant situation as a, as a direct result of it. With all these things, I think the the answer is somewhere in the middle. The strength of feeling is, at the moment, very much on the side of this isn't doing what, what, what people wanted or expected it to do. But also, in the same breath, I think we have to wait, not not ages, but, but wait and see how this plays out in terms of what comes out from the meeting, in terms of the information that, 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 that is able to be out there in the open, and then take a view, uh, take a view then, perhaps. 
this is a difficult time. It is an emotional time. It is a an emotive time. But we need to stick with it. We need to stick together. We're Watford supporters who all want the same thing. We all want the best for our football club. That is undeniable. We might have different approaches. We might have different takes. But I, I would urge people to take a step back and, and remember that when engaging with each other. Because I think together we have much more strength um, than we do disparate and, and separated so try and find that common ground with each other and that way we can move things forward in a in a successful and hopefully productive and most importantly enjoyable way looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! So we've lost the game. We've got a controversial chat about a fans grouping. So let's have a bit of fun. On uh, social media this week, at Watford Podcast, I asked, for you, historically, which Watford player has unjustifiably been blamed for teams' poor performances? It did sort of come off DCW, your you know, chastising of Kutcher, but more actually, how fans on the wonderful video we saw of the ball being played through from Roy uh, through to JP on the, the club's social media, which got shared all over the place. It's a lovely curving ball, if you've, you've probably seen it. Can we just ask if Emmanuel Dennis has seen that? Just, <laughs> just, just, just so what are the players that you think are pe- you know, people have been... They, they get blamed, they all got blamed a little bit too much. They got some, cl- some good ones through, Jason. You know, what about this one? The first one came from uh, STG WFC. Gavin Marn. I, you know, that, would, that was my go-to. Yeah. Gavin yeah. Marn, absolutely. Gavin, Gavin Marn, when he sort of first came to the club, he was sort of used as a utility player, wasn't he? And deployed in all manner of positions, sort of out wide, in the middle, full back, I mean, everywhere. You know, there wasn't a, a role apart from up front, which he must have been gutted about, <laughs> that uh, 
that he didn't try out in that sort of those early days. Um, and we all know that sort of once he found a settled role in the side, he was he was superb player of the season, captain, sort of that promotion winning side. And yeah, he was the boo boy, wasn't he, from uh, from the early days, which I. You know me, I always feel sorry for these players. I don't know why, <laughs> apart from today. Today I definitely didn't. But yeah, I, I used to feel a bit sorry for him because you could see he was just being sort of stuck in positions that weren't his natural position at centre midfield. And he always got a lot of stick. He was a boo boy. Uh, one who got a lot of stick for one game only, DCW, Jack Bonham, in a game against Leeds here where he lost 2-1. Just got all the blame for that game. Well, why not? He made two howlers. <laughs> I know, but shouldn't young, we have won that game? Uh, Dini got sent off. I know he was a young kid. Yeah, it was a, a, extenuous circumstances or whatever, um, extenuating circumstances. But um, I mean, yeah, you got, he had one. He had one job. <laughs> uh, Mike, I don't know if you're going to agree with this one from this season. Uh, from Steve, uh, only one Steve D. Truthicon. Uh, against Brentford, yes, he gave the penalty away needlessly, but didn't do enough in the game. But we didn't do enough in the game to close it out. No, as per usual. <laughs> I think Truth has, has struggled alongside pretty much everyone else in the, in the defence. Well, everyone else in the team, full stop. Does he deserve to carry the weight of, um, of this season's debacle on his back? Absolutely not. He's been one who has not performed to the level necessary I don't we said it last year in the championship he's going to struggle in the Premier League if he carries on like that he has and he has <laughs> Jose Holobras Jason you know had his faults had his greatness I can't actually figure out what I want to blame him for but was he unjustify, unjustifiably blamed for things Oh, probably. Or, or no, he probably wasn't, but he probably just assumed that he was <laughs> and threw his arms up in anger and, and there was that famous uh, incident uh, was it Javi Gracia's first game where uh, oh, he, yeah, where he where he uh, had a little chat with uh, a few fans? Um, so perhaps he he felt a little hard done by himself. I don't need to feel sorry for him. There's no, <laughs> he he feels bad enough himself. Jose. <laughs> DCW, I don't know if I, mm, I I can't. I don't think he was. I think he was terrible. I think he might have scored a few penalties. I think he just he, he got his way through this Watford team for far too long. Lewis McGugan. <laughs> I don't remember him being particularly being blamed for anything, but yeah, he, he's, his Watford career wasn't a stellar one. Um, a player that arrived about, arrived at Vicarage Road with us sort of probably thinking, oh, that's interesting. He's a good player, but deep down we probably should have realised there was a reason why he his career hadn't kicked on, and he, he ended up with us. And it was kind of symptomatic of that season, wasn't it? It was just a bit of a bit of nothing really, all just sort of fizzled out into nothing. Players, I don't think I can even get Matthew Briggs. Oh God! Not no. a chance. Gerardo, <laughs> 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 Her- Gerardo. I mean, he had one good game. Well, did we can ever see ca- the best of him? Well, did we ever see anything from him? Not really. But uh, yeah, different time, different place. Maybe he would have uh, would have been a, had a different Watford career. Now, here's one I think your brother Michael could not get on, and this is from Jason's good friend and our good friend, uh, Dave. Dave Muggins. Um, Perry Digweed. Oh, and the absolutely <laughs> despised Mary Tigreed. He just, he just, um, yeah, he was not. He, I think he, he tried to win his gloves in a in a competition once, so he could duck him in the bin or something like that. <laughs> he was, uh, he was not his biggest fan. No, I've seen Mullins playing goal. Mullins is a keeper, <laughs> and and this is a personal, private joke. But the Mullins Dougie partnership, Mullins, you know what I'm talking about. You cannot complain about Perry Digweed if uh, <laughs> after watching that. Not a bad career though, did he? Perry yeah. Digweed had, and how many how many clubs have had two Perrys in goal as well? 
I don't know the answer to that. I don't know I can Google that one. Um, the one, though, from our podcasting brothers, uh, from Oh My Word, who, if you haven't listened to them yet, they do their podcast all about Watford in the 90s. Go have a listen. The most interesting one, and in brackets and in capital letters, Kerry Dixon. Disgrace. Should never, <laughs> should never have set foot in, 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 in the club. Um, you can argue all you want about his pedigree. You can argue all you want about his goal-scoring record. You can argue all you want that we needed someone to put the ball in the net when um, when we signed him. There is no way on earth uh, a man with his connections to up the road should have ever put on the yellow shirt. Didn't, didn't he play in the derby against Luton as well for us? Or sure. did I imagine that? I'm not sure. I don't know, I, 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 that might be my, my mind playing tricks him, but I do remember standing on the old terrace here watching him. I think, I think we had a corner... And you could, it was the days when you could just hear what everyone was saying <laughs> and the abuse he was getting. And you get, it looked like he didn't want to Excuse be there. Excuse me, Mr. It Dixon. Was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a crazy. We've sort of talked about this, the, uh, the forum thing, the fans committee, and our, our current owners and the way the clubs run. Whoever made the decision to bring Dixon in on loan from them up the road it was just, just ballsy. Ballsy. <laughs> what can I have, throw one more in? Of course. I think Troy had a, a, oh, had yeah. a rough ride over. Well, over the probably over the course of his Watford career, for a whole host of reasons, some some deserve, but often, you know, he was called disruptive, he was called problematic, and and all that sort of stuff. And I think he took a lot of stick. And you actually you look out there today, and you say, where are the leaders today? Where are the where's the where are the players knocking a few heads in the in the dressing room? Where are the where are the players demanding a certain <laughs> level uh, in the dressing room? I was sitting there. I was sitting there in the second half and I, my brain just started to tick over and I thought, I wonder if Troy would I went, no, 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 don't go down that road, don't go down that road. He's done, he's finished, he's in the championship, he's not doing anything for Birmingham. I thought, we can't, and here we are. <laughs> That's where we've arrived. No, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that he should, he should be playing for us now, but I think what you do realise is, well, perhaps some of the things he was actually criticised for were, were things that are actually quite handy to have in a football team so I do wonder whether uh, Troy got a bit of unnecessary stick who knows he's a big boy he can stick up I'm himself, gonna say, I, he said, you, might, you might have given him some stick but I think it bounces straight back off him nothing stuck with that boy uh, thank you very much for listening to From the Rick we'll be back again with our podcast on Thursday morning uh, ready for as you wake up uh, with Adam and see what he's taking this situation is um, thank you very much DCW Championship Tuesday <laughs> night Championship <laughs> thank you Jason delighted to see that DCW's got his smile back well done mate <laughs> there's a laugh and, then we'll and Michael cheers thanks everyone uh, and we'll be back again as I said on Thursday make sure to follow us on social media at Watford Podcast and if you haven't yet subscribed to The Athletic and want to be part of the fun over there it's about a pound a month I think if you go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end uh, where you can uh, well it's the best place to get the, the best deals uh, to be part of the Athletics offering from their huge team of some of the best sports writers in the country come on you on The Athletic.